You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the war, 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 the Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. For the second time this season, we get to kick off the Views from Mint Street podcast in a celebratory fashion because your Carolina Panthers have knocked off the evil one, Tom Brady, a win in the right side of the record books for the Panthers. They knock off Tampa Bay. 21 to 3. Welcome to the Monday edition of the pod, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, airs from 9 to noon weekdays on the Fan Upstate in Greenville, South Carolina. And of course, joining me, as always, my co host, my partner in crime, the guy who's responsible for the incredible sounds coming through your ear holes. As we speak every single week, he is the great one, Lonzo Reitzel, who, dare I say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I could describe as giddy over this win. I, I could describe uh, with, with, with the analogy of a cheerleader just asked to prom by the starting quarterback. I literally, during the show earlier today, heard Lonzo giggle. When our sports flash was going during the show, how you feeling, buddy? Well, I think you're painting me in a in a light that's that's not entirely true. I don't giggle; I smirk. Oh, so I audi- I audibly smirked, which you can do. You can audibly smirk. You can smirk in a way that people can hear it. Uh, I am proof of that uh, because a, a couple of different reasons. One, Tom Brady was on his back multiple times. You know, I've been thinking about this today before we recorded this podcast. This is a national podcast, so there's a chance it could be picked up, you know, anywhere. And people may wonder, Lonzo, why do you hate Tom Brady so much? Well, because he's Tom Brady. That's one reason. Two, I'm from Ohio. He played from Michigan. I have to hate him because of that and because he's a cheetah. And he got caught. And he's not the GOAT. And I love it when Brian Burns said, hello, how are you? This is our grass here on our field. Would you like to touch it? And he said, no, but he made him touch the grass. Anyway, I think that's just great. Also, am I supposed to be happy? I don't know, Rob. Are we supposed to be happy with the with the victory? A lot of people online are really upset that the Carolinas messed around and won a game. How dare they? Uh, I think – a lot of people primarily upset right now uh, because a lot of people lost a lot of money on that game. The Buccaneers were 13-point uh, favorites in that game. We were two, almost two touchdown dogs in that game and didn't just one outright. 
but smoked Tampa Bay outright. And we'll get into the X's and O's here in just a minute. But uh, suffice to say, I think Vegas saw a lot of people take a bath in this game on Sunday. And then, of course, there is the fact that regardless of how you feel about Brady, and I will I will go ahead and let out the secret that Rob Brown was long a Tom Brady fan. As I said, that I think most people uh, didn't like Tom Brady primarily because Tom Brady was living the life that the majority of us, if you would have asked us in third grade what we wanted to be when we grow up, we would have described Tom Brady's life. Yes, I would love to grow up to be a multi-Super Bowl winning, starting NFL quarterback, married to one of the most attractive women in the world who yet still somehow made more money than I did. And Brady did all that. But there is no secret that the NFL has the folks that they like to see win because they feel it looks better on television. And Tom Brady is one of those cats instead they got a touchdown-less Tom, a very upset Tom. They got Buccaneers dropping footballs. They got a run game for Tampa, which looked pedestrian with 46 yards. They got a Carolina team that was supposed to be tanking. They were supposed to be trying to get the first overall draft pick. And instead, they came out and they beat the golden child on a Sunday. And suffice to say... It was a very, very pleasant surprise for the Charlotte fans who showed up at the bank, for the Carolina fans who watched around the world. By goodness, as I have said one other time in the extent of this broadcast, Lonzo, these shows on Monday seem to be much more fun coming off of the W. I think the big question is, this: will this be the last one that we experience the rest of the year? It's a defense, and I know we're going to get into this. The defense plays the way they did, uh, and the offense actually does what we've been saying all along. Run the ball, Rob. Run the goddamn ball, said Richard Sherman, and they ran the goddamn ball. They did. Dante Foreman, 15 totes, a buck 18 on the ground. Chuba Hubbard got nine. He punched one of them in and route to 73 yards. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's hard to gloat for me. And no, it's not. It's very easy for me to gloat while I celebrate and celebrate. I shall, because if you go back as you should and download some of the views from Mint street podcasts from earlier this season, you will hear a couple of things that we say every week. One of them is run the ball. One of the other ones is why have we not been using Dante Foreman so far, especially in situations where we need short yardage, 118 yards on the day for him. The dude should have been our short yardage back all year long. I know that it is very, very easy When you had uh, Christian McCaffrey back there wearing number 22, it is very easy to want to ride that guy till the wheels fall off. But Foreman should have been our short yardage back, not just in the red zone, but every time we were looking at uh, third and short, second and long, whatever, Foreman should have been getting those short yardage touches. And instead, we didn't do that. Yesterday 
We put that cat on full display, and all he did was go have a Christian McCaffrey-esque day as the running back. Um, Lesson learned, Lonzo. Give Foreman the football and watch him eat. All right, let's hope lesson learned. Okay, you and I believe lesson learned. We'll find out next week uh, when the Panthers play Atlanta. But I've, I've you know, been trying to compare who does Dante Foreman remind me of is Derrick Henry. That's, that's I mean, the modern day, that's who you look at. The guy who's really hard to get down. Now, is he, is he on the level of Derrick Henry? He is in this way that it takes more than one person to tackle him. And you're going to get hit when you try to tackle him. And he showed that uh, Sunday, and they need to be using that so much more. Not just him, but Chuba Hubbard. Uh, the combination of the two look really good. Panthers need to be a running team. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with playing really good defense and being a running team. Dante Foreman, interestingly enough, goes playing weight six foot two thirty five. Right, he is not a gigantic bowling ball. But but the play style, the run style, you are exactly correct, Lonzo, is very physical. I went back and I was watching. There's about twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. We've got ourselves into a a situation where a first down would go a long way. We're up 14-3 at this point. They hand the ball to Foreman off the right-hand side. And Foreman at that point, I thought, was just going to bury himself into the line of scrimmage. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of, of, uh, actually, I think it was a first and 10 play. They hand the ball off to Foreman. And I'm waiting for Foreman to just kind of stuff his helmet into the back of one of the O-linemen and just kind of push the pile for what he can get. Instead, right before he makes that initial contact, he hits a little jump cut to the left. He sticks the left foot into the ground. He sprints out to the right. He gets around the Panther logo, and he gets all the way inside of the Tampa Bay 30 from a play that originally uh, originated on the Carolina 45. And at that moment, uh, you know, I had been calling for Foreman to be our short yardage back, but right there he showed me this cat can be an any down back. This cat can be a first and 10 back or a third and one back or a third and 10 back. He's got the ability to do whatever you need him to do. Uh, I enjoyed watching Dante Foreman play. Uh, he also had two snags for 27 yards. The dude can be a lead running back. I know, like I said last week in the final pod, that losing McCaffrey hurts because of how much of a fan institution Christian McCaffrey is. And I'm not saying that Deontay Foreman is anywhere near as good as Christian McCaffrey. Very few running backs ever have been in the history of the league. But for where we are and what we are and what we need, Deontay Foreman yesterday showed that he can absolutely be that guy. And that is before we mention the nine carries for 63 yards that Chuba Hubbard pitched in as well. Both of those cats for going better than seven yards per tote on the day. And that is before we add in the fact that Chuba Hubbard also picked up 63 on nine and had himself a couple of catches as well. Uh, Look, we showed yesterday, not only has the offensive line though grown into a very, very good one over the past few weeks, But now we've shown we have got a couple of very good running backs. In fact, uh, I told a buddy of mine, I was texting back and forth 
during that game. And I told a buddy of mine that I really genuinely felt like Foreman and Hubbard were giving me some real D'Angelo J. Stewart vibes out there, the way that they were playing different styles that were so complimentary of each other. It really kind of felt like, like, like it really kind of felt like we had stepped back in time when we used to have a very formidable running back duo. It kind of feels like maybe we discovered one here and all of a sudden the Panthers got a good offensive line. They got two running backs that showed that they can complement each other and play off of each other. DJ Moore came out of the shadow. DJ had seven grabs for 69 and a touch as well. Um, All of a sudden, this team offensively does not look like the garbage fire that we thought it was going to be really even a week ago. All right, so so here's the thing. Uh, Maybe Ben McAdoo got scared, and he's like, oh, crap, I'm going to lose my job. Or maybe it wasn't him in the first place because the, the moment Matt Rule's gone, suddenly they start running the ball. And they realized they had something last week. And then this week, they're like, let's run the ball a little bit more. Look at that. Wow. We're actually a pretty good running team. This offensive line that you're just talking about, they can run block. Ah, Maybe we need to keep doing this. So is this a matter of McAdoo adjusting to to what uh, Steve Wilkes wants? Or is this a matter of him being given freedom that he didn't have underneath Matt Rule? There is, I, I, I think those are both possibilities. I think there's a third possibility. Uh, I think that the third possibility is when you have a guy like McCaffrey, uh, we, we, we saw even really good, I've even seen, you know, Sean Payton has done this before. Uh, Belichick has done this before when he's had Brady. There have been coaches and coordinators in the past who have had a crown jewel of a player, right? Like just an absolute stud of a player. And one thing that can happen to them is they can get too reliant on that player, right? They, they get to a point where they kind of start to base their entire offensive system around one player. And it's easy to do when you've got somebody as talented as 22 has been for us for high, five and a half seasons. I think by taking him away, you kind of forced the Carolina offense to really put a whole new set of, of tools in the tool chest, right? Like without 22, you got to figure out how are we going to run the ball successfully without the knowledge that if we don't get the scheme perfect, 22 is going to be able to fix it by being spectacular. How long are we going to throw the ball when we know that we've got 22 is the best escape valve in the national football league without those things. I think you really got to sit down at the whiteboard And you got to say, all right, we need to move this here, move that there, move this guy over here and run it this way because we don't have 22 to cover. And now all of a sudden you've designed plays for Foreman. You divine play, you devise plays for uh, Chuba Hubbard. You devise plays for DJ Moore. You don't have to force a handful of plays and work on the security blanket. That is 22's ability to make something happen. And it kind of forced them to cater the offense to the players instead of cater the players to the offense, if that makes sense.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Views from Mint Street Podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you. Happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast or if you've got a Carolina Panther fan in your life that you love, you're going to want to make sure you hook them up with the Views from Mint Street Podcast available where major podcasts are found on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, or free on the Odyssey app. Pick it up. Subscribe and download to the Views from Mint Street podcast. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback spot. P.J. Walker, 16 of 22, a pair of touchdowns, no interceptions, and quite frankly, just outdueled Tom Brady. A prediction that exactly zero people would have made on Sunday morning before that game started, except maybe P.J. Walker himself. But he got it done. And I think you've got to be impressed. And like I said, to to carry over from what we ended the last segment with, I think when you took away 22, I think at that point, Ben McAdoo, Steve Wolk, they had to come up with a way to cater the offense to P.J. Walker's strengths and weaknesses. And I think they actually did a really good job of that. They did not ask him to do too much, but... They trusted him to get down the field. They involved DJ Moore, a nice security blanket for PJ. They had the running game working strong so that PJ never had to feel like he had to kind of do it himself at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I think he stepped up and did the right thing. Before we get into the debate, and it will be a debate about whether PJ Walker should start this week at Atlanta. No, man, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. It's not going to be a debate. We're going to fight. Fair enough. Before we get into the verbal fisticuffs that will accompany that question here in just a minute, uh, just your overall thoughts on P.J. Walker, because as far as I am concerned so far, Alonzo, P.J. Walker has had the best individual game that any Panther quarterback has had so far this season, and I don't know that that's even really a debate. All right, so – uh, the overall, I agree. There were there were times where Baker really really shone, and uh, it just wasn't consistent. But as far as the overall game, yeah, you're right. Um, I also want to point out that last week on this podcast, we talked about how uh, not only did we say what we always say that they need to run the ball, but I thought it would be kind of cool if they took that very first play when they knew they were going to be in the box and threw it deep and they did. And suddenly you saw, wait a minute, that was a precise pass that that PJ Walker threw. Uh, it was dropped and it shouldn't have been dropped, but that was a precise pass. And it lets you know, okay, maybe they're actually going to throw the ball today. And they did, they had the right mix, the mix that a running team has a running team will throw the ball every once in a while to keep you honest, because when you keep crowding up as a defense, you're going to, get some guys open, which DJ Moore got open, 
And so some passes were able to be completed later. I think if you keep this mentality, no matter who the quarterback is is in there, if you're able to run the ball, it's going to open some things up and you're not going to expect um, – because I'm curious about uh, about the run to pass ratio the first five games. Guarantee you it was two to one pass. And in this case, it wasn't anymore. If you go two to one pass, then you know the other team knows you're not running the ball. Now you flip that and you got guys who can actually run the ball and get yards. Who knew that would happen? We did. Um and then you're gonna open things up. So this is the it, going forward, and maybe it's a matter of the defense they were facing in Tampa Bay. But I think for the most part, Carolina can be a running team, and it may not matter who the quarterback is in there. Maybe. Um, they are a run team. I, I think the the identity has been established, right? Like most coaches you talk to are going to tell you that a couple of weeks into season, you want to have your identity. You want to know who you are as a team. And I think it, it was kind of easy for us, and I think I'm guilty of this as well, I think it's kind of easy for us to have looked at this team through the first four or five weeks of the season and said, our identity is we're a defensive team, right? Like that's our identity. We're a defensive team because we are a defensive team. Uh, Even this weekend, great to see the offense putting up points, but the defense getting after Tom Brady's hindsight and stopping him from ever getting comfortable was as much a defensive win as anything else. So I think it's easy for us to say we're a defensive team and kind of dismiss it in that direction. Lonzo, uh, we have found our identity offensively. We are a team that needs to run the football. We need to run the football with Foreman. We need to run the football with Hubert, uh, Chuba Hubbard, excuse me. I know that it is kind of a, a, a captain obvious statement here, but we really haven't done that until this weekend You do that this weekend, and all of a sudden, we're beating Tom Brady. All of a sudden, we are a game out of the lead of the NFC South. Granted, that's because the NFC South is an absolute dumpster fire division, but we are a game out of the NFC South. And by the way, undefeated in the South. If we're the, undefeated in the South. Yeah, we're undefeated out. in the South. If the Bucks lose to the Ravens, they've got Thursday night football, which Thursday night football has been very weird this year. If the Bucs lose to the Ravens and the Panthers beat the Falcons on Sunday, the Carolina Panthers will be in first place in the NFC South. We were talking about a tank job three days ago, and if we get some help from Baltimore and go into Atlanta and knock off a Falcons team that just lost by 20 to Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that needed every bit of four quarters to scrape by a bad New Orleans Saints team. Ladies and gentlemen, a a week from today, next Monday's pod, fingers crossed if we do our freaking jobs, the pod next Monday could be Lonzo and I talking about how this football team, this Carolina team is leading the NFC South into the playoff race. That's unbelievable. This is this is a fantasy land that you're living in, Rob. There's no way that that could be a possibility, except for it is. And uh, you, I want to point out, very guilty of talking about the future. And I get where you're coming from, but the future could be now. And 
being a little bit of homer on this? Yeah, because of what we just seen happen uh, yesterday. What we saw happen on the field, if you repeat that next Sunday, could be in first place without McCaffrey. Without McCaffrey. And maybe with P.J. Walker as a starter. So, you know, it's very, very interesting. It goes back to, uh, what was that? I think it was 2014, Lonzo. It was 2014 when we won the NFC South with a losing record. Uh, I want to say we ended that year. Goodness, what was the record that you're set? I don't remember. I think we had seven wins that year. It was either, it was, I think it was seven or eight, but yeah. Yeah. It would probably have had to have been seven. And and listen, don't get me wrong. I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to catch a garbage division, it's a good year to do it with the team being as bad as it is. And again, they looked really good yesterday. But one game does not a team make. Uh, wasn't it Parcells that said your record set? You are what your record says you are. We got a lot of work left to do, but a lot of work to do certainly looks like the possibility of catching a playoff. Now, as I want to do sometimes, and it does drive Alonzo up a wall, let me bring a little dose of reality as I see it onto the pod and get his reaction. Number one. Tampa Bay did not look like Tampa Bay, and I got a sneaky suspicion that is not the Tampa Bay team we're going to see all season, right? Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I frankly hope that it is, but that might not be the Tampa team we see all season. You go back, you have the, who was it, uh, Goblin that dropped the, 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 or Evans that dropped the ball right down the middle of the field that would have been a touchdown and changed the complexion to that game. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, that team could be back. I am keeping an eye on the New Orleans Saints. As lousy as the Saints have been, also a two-win football team, they have also been ransacked by injuries over the past three or four weeks and still had a couple of close games. We've still got one more date with Destiny down in New Orleans. I would keep an eye on the Saints. And while I do think at the end of the day the Falcons are still the Falcons, the Falcons are a team that is all square for first place right now with the Buccaneers uh, overall record-wise. I don't see them sticking around that long. I kind of see them the opposite of Tampa Bay. I feel like they're playing at a higher level the last few weeks than they're actually worth. We'll find out. But for now, you take what you got, you celebrate. Uh, you know, and, and even for those of us that have said, move McCaffrey, move Anderson, and start building for the future and a first overall draft pick. Uh, I will tell you this, Lonzo, as long as we are mathematically playoff enabled, you keep playing to win. You keep playing to win because you never know what's going to happen. Once we hit the playoff elimination, I'm fine to just pull the starters, play the backup, let them get some XP and grow. But considering not just that we're wild card potential, because we're not wild card potential, it's win the division or bust. But, We're a game back, and by this pod next week, we could quite literally be holding a single-game lead in the NFC South as a whole. Go out there and get it. Go out there and grab the trophy. Let's take this team that everybody, myself included, has been bashing for six weeks. Let's go put Tom Brady in second place and see what happens. All right, so let me channel my inner Dennis Green and say – the Bucks are who we thought they were or who I thought they were. 
all this turmoil outside of of at home for Tom Brady, I think is filtered onto the team as well as all the injuries that they're having. I think what we saw this week is who Tampa Bay is. So, I, I mean, will Tom Brady pull out some wins? Absolutely, because he's still pretty good, even as ancient as he is. But I, you can tell he's regretting coming back this season. I also think that, that Bruce Arians not being there has a little something to do with it. I don't see Tampa Bay getting back to where everyone expected. And in that case, it's it's Tampa or anybody else. That's what it is. At the beginning of the season, everyone thought for sure that the Buccaneers were just going to run away with this thing, and they have not. And the fact that every player on the Panthers have to be looking going, dude, we can be number one this week. We can be number one in the division this week. And – yeah, the Panthers have five losses, but you know what? There's still a lot of football left to play. There absolutely is. You're talking about winning the division with a losing record? They could, Unless my math is wrong, and it could be, they could still win the division with a winning record, could they not? They They'd have to could, win the rest of the games, but still. It would be a mighty ask to do so. Um, but again, we don't talk about 2014 and go, ladies and gentlemen, your 2014 NFC South champions, the sub 500. We don't do that, right? You get a divisional championship, you get to hang a banner, and you get to go to the freaking playoffs. And right now, I think that's the direction we move in. Um, and on top of that, you consider the fact that right now you look atop the NFC standings, and I think even – the sub-500 teams have got to be a little bit interested in it right now, right? You've got the off-the-buy 6-0 and Eagles. And while the Eagles have looked good, there's a lot of people, I think yourself included, Zoe, that kind of believe that the Eagles maybe are playing uh, above the metric right now and will come back to reality. The Giants went down to Jacksonville and needed a remarkable play to get by the Jaguars. The Cowboys are the Cowboys every single year. The Seahawks look much better, but at the same time, do you really believe that Geno Smith is that type of dude? The Rams are certainly beatable, despite the fact that they got us. It wasn't our best new look yet. The Niners and the Cardinals are both sub-500. The Vikings are the Vikings. The Kings of crap in the bed are the Minnesota Vikings, and everybody else, including the Packers, are three and four right now. And out of our division, like I said, we're a game back of the Bucks and the Falcons. We've got a win over Tampa. We got a chance to put away the Falcons this weekend and go three and zero against the division. Uh, if there is a year that a bad team or a bad team early in the season could show up, could shock some people, and could make a deep run, Lonzo. This is as good of an opportunity as it's ever been. And while, yes, I want that first overall draft pick, I want the pick of the litter when it comes to our next year's starting quarterback, because I love you, PJ. I think you should get the start this week, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I still think we got to go quarterback with the first overall. Uh, if we have it, if we have it, I want pick of the litter there but I want a Lombardi more than I want that. And if we can make a run at an NFC South crown, that is the way you handle it. And right now, Tampa has been knocked out of our way. New Orleans has been knocked out of our way. Atlanta is next. 
And that's a beatable football team on the road in Atlanta. You know, I, I don't want to get my my hopes crazy up after a single win, though, but I really want to beat Atlanta. I really do. Yeah, me too. And I, I want to say this. If this team can rattle off seven wins or, or, what, or make the playoffs and win the division, Steve Wilkes is your coach next year. Because what a turnaround that will be in his uh, – in this is him trying to show what he can do. If he's able to turn things around and win the division, why would you get rid of him? You're not wrong. All right, so now let's get to the next topic of conversation. You're listening to The Views from Mint Street Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, Views from Mint Street, the official Carolina Panthers podcast for Odyssey. I am Rob Brown. He is Lonzo Wright. So we are talking Panther football for you. Wherever major podcasts are found, make sure you grab it and make sure you tell them all your Carolina uh, friends and family about it so we can get them in on the conversation as well. I will let you bat lead off on this one, Lonzo, mainly because I disagree with you so violently about it. Tell me why PJ Walker did not earn the opportunity to start this game in Atlanta Sunday and follow up his performance beating Tom Brady with a crack at the incredible Marcus Mariota. All right. So first of all, it's real easy to go with the hot hand. I get all that, but the hand is hot right now. Talking about PJ Walker because you didn't have anybody else. I, I mean, so there was there was you. They weren't going to put Jacob Eason in there. Uh, a PJ Walker familiar with the offense. He wasn't asked to do too much. But you still need to look at the fact that at the beginning of the season, didn't even think PJ, and more than likely, PJ Walker would not have been on this team. Uh, he was fourth. He was the fourth quarterback on the team behind Baker Mayfield, behind Sam Darnold, behind Matt Corral. PJ Walker would have been gone if Matt Corral hadn't got hurt. So you, you technically, you're starting your fourth string quarterback and beat Tom Brady with him. Got to take some joy out of that. I, I got to. Uh, I know the defense had a big hand at it, but your four-string quarterback beat Tom Brady. So it still comes down to this. Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, according to reports, it's early on in the week right now, but both of them could be back this week. So you got to look at it as, as the offensive coordinator, as the head coach. All right, these two guys right here beat the guy out who started. If you are Steve Wilkes, you've got to make this decision and I would understand if he goes with the hot hand. He's also got to understand that his job is on the line every time he goes out there. This is a job interview. I don't see why either one of those quarterbacks couldn't have done the same thing that P.J. Walker did. Uh, when Baker Mayfield was in there, they were not a run-first offense. Now, is that him that did it? Did he go with RPO and decide to throw the ball every single time? I don't, I don't think so. It, it, the, the game was not called that way. I will tell you that uh, – let me ask you a question. Who's the more precise when they're on uh, quarterback between the three of them? Is it P.J. Walker? Are we going on paper or on grass? I'm talking about with the eye test. Who's the more accurate quarterback out of the three of them? Career-wise, it's Baker Mayfield. Exactly. 
But now I, I know that Wilkes has said that it's not Baker's job when he comes back. He said it's going to be a competition. We're not going to be there in practice if it is a competition, which I'm not so sure they bring them back this week, even if they are ready because of that victory. One way to stop there being a competition is to go, you know what? Uh, the trainers tell me you're not exactly ready yet. Even though you're cleared, you still got to get back into football shape. You both have been out for a little bit. We're going to hold you off another week. That's one way to do it, to, to, to not have to worry about competition because you can declare them not ready yet. But if they both are ready and they're in there and competing, I find it hard to believe that Baker Mayfield won't beat both of them out because he already did that once. I uh, All right. So he did do that once. And then after he did that, Baker Mayfield went out. And by the way, let me start this by saying, I remain a Baker Mayfield stan. I remain a Baker Mayfield fan. I hope that maybe this little reset allowed Baker to kind of cleanse the old noggin to release the mental toxins and 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 get rid of them out into the universe and pull his life together. I really do. I you do. Know, I, I love a good cleansing. I love a good cleansing. I I hope that Baker found whatever revitalization he needed during his little two-week break there. I really do. And, and and I hope that this week, if he is back out practicing, that Baker is tearing it up. I hope that he goes out there and looks uh, every bit the starting quarterback that we thought we were getting when we brought him here. I really do. But at the end of the day, it is results that matter during anything else, right? You and I have done this job for a long time, Lonzo. We have had guys that sounded great in the audition and you turn them loose on a live show and they stumble up on the mic. We have had guys that have sent bad reels and you put them on the air for a demo and they sound incredible. The only thing, the only thing that matters is what you do on the field. Baker has been bad this year. And that's from a fan. Baker's been bad. PJ Walker has had one single Good game because he didn't look great against L.A. either last week. But he came out this week at home. He was comfortable. He was in his routine. And he did more than enough to get the game won. It wasn't a Pro Bowl. It wasn't a highlight real game for P.J. But he did enough. He was accurate enough. He was smart enough with the football to stuff one in the end zone and win us the football game. The production speaks for itself. P.J. Walker lost one game on the road a few days after his head coach got fired against the reigning Super Bowl champions. He came back, he came back, and he won against the darling of the NFC, the darling of the NFL, the apple of their eye, Tom Brady. I am not saying P.J. Walker is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I'm saying the kid earned another start and... I want Baker and Sam, if they are both back on Sunday, I want them standing on the sideline, watching P.J. Walker play and asking themselves, what do I need to do? What do I need to show to get out there and get my job back? I want all three of those guys thinking, what do I need to do to get my job back? And if one of them fades away from the pressure, so freaking be it because If we were playing for the draft pick, there's no pressure. I don't really particularly care. But we are not playing for a draft pick. 
Baltimore gets a win over Tampa Bay on Thursday. Sunday, we are playing for the lead in the NFC South. I want to know which one of these cats is going to stare down the pressure of a divisional championship early in the season and go freaking get it. And if PJ did last week, and he did, I'm going to give him a shot to do it again. If he fails, great. I got Baker and Sam both ready to go. If he doesn't fail, maybe we found a little something here. See, uh, the other thing is you're not going to dress four quarterbacks for a game. You're not going to do that. So uh, how many of these quarterbacks, if they're ready, how many of them do you dress? I get you got to dress PJ Walker, especially if you're going to start him. He, obviously, he's going he's going to dress. So you don't dress Eason. Do you have to pick between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield to figure out which one of them dresses out for the game, and the other one is a healthy scratch? What do you do there? So let's say that you decide PJ Walker is a starter. Who's your backup, Rob? Which one of those guys is your backup? Oh, I'm I am dressing all three quarterbacks. I absolutely am. I will. I will. I will risk the roster spot. I will pull back one special teams backup. I will go down one defense. I will take the risk to bring on all three guys, and I will, before the game, look at them and go. And I know the old, you know, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one phrase. I don't believe that's true in the NFL. I will look all three in the face. PJ, you have earned this start. It is up to you to keep this start. If you fall apart, we will make the switch. Baker, you have had your crack. You came up short. You've had some time to rest, to think, to watch film, to study, to get ready. If PJ comes up short, you're going to get another crack. If you fail, Sam is dressed. And Sam, if you get your crack at this thing, you got a shot at redemption here and a shot to lead us to a division title and a playoff spot. Now I want to know who the hell wants it more. And you can go out there and you can show that to me. I am absolutely dressing all three of them for this game Sunday if they are all three truly, genuinely healthy. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't. One of them is going to be either a healthy scratch or there's just it's and if it's going to be one of the three that you don't dress, it'll be Sam Darnold because he's been out the longest. And you can use the excuse that he's still not back into uh NFL shaped game speed. Well, he's not back into game speed. So you dress Baker, you dress PJ Walker, you put uh, Eason back on the on the uh, practice squad. Yeah, Eason go back to the practice squad. That's the obvious one. Obviously, um, I, I will tell you why. I, I don't think you leave Sam Darnold undressed because it's been a while. Sam Darnold, if you were being, if Matt Rule was being genuine, and for the record, up through preseason camp, neither Alonzo or I. Thought for a freaking second there was a chance Baker Mayfield was not going to be starter week one and stay there until he blew it. For the record, he blew it. But we both thought, that being said, you, or at least Matt Rule, and Ben McAdoo told Sam Darnold it was a quarterback competition. You did not tell him until three weeks into the three-week postseason preseason that he had lost that competition. Baker had won it. As far as I'm concerned... You told Sam Darnold that he lost it, but not by all that much when it comes down to it. It's a pressure cooker, man. The NFL is going to put the clamps down on every guy who takes a snap under center and active play. I want to know which of these three dudes. 
until we get to the point that we are no longer in the playoff hunt, and we are very in the playoff hunt because, as we mentioned, Baltimore beats Tampa, we beat Atlanta, we lead the division. I want to know which of these three lumps of coal has the best chance at turning into a diamond when the pressure's on. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's a divisional game on Sunday, Lonzo. Whether or not Tampa loses to Baltimore on Thursday, the pressure is on. You have got to match Tampa win for win until they slip up and make another mistake so that we are ready to pounce with the right guy back there. All right, this is without a doubt the biggest decision Steve Wilkes will have to make, at least so far in his interim coaching career. This is the decision that could decide a lot of things. And if he makes the wrong one, it could cost him his job. It definitely could cost him a game. Um, And the thing is, I I guess if you look at it one way, it's okay to start P.J. Walker because if you bench him, you bench the fourth-string guy and brought in the guy who had won the job in the first place. So maybe you do go with him first and let him know, hey, if you struggle in there, you're out, and I'm putting either Baker or Sam in. All right. P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. If you're listening to the pod, drop us on our social handle at the Rob Brown show at Lonzo on word. Drop us your thoughts. Who do you want to see under center? Did PJ do enough in taking down Tampa Bay to justify a second start? Do you reinstitute Baker under the, you can't lose your starting job to injury mentality, or have you seen enough from both to give Sam Darnold one more crack at it. Remember, Baltimore beats Tampa. We beat Atlanta on Sunday, and the Cats lead the NFC South. Yeah, you heard that right. The team that was talking about a tank two days ago could suddenly find themselves in the driver's seat, controlling their own destiny within this terrible division, but controlling their own destiny within the division Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, Lonzo, any final words for the people? Uh, I like this feeling. I don't know about you guys. I like the feeling of coming off of a victory. I like the feeling of looking and seeing positive things, not tanky things. But I I like having a team that's a defensive run team with uh, no mistakes coming out of the quarterback. That's how you win. And uh, I'm looking forward to being in first place because it really could be happening this weekend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next episode of Views from Mid Street will drop on Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon, we'll be coming your way with a midweek pod. And obviously, it is going to be a quite busy one. By the way, the fire sale's not happening. I told you, I told you. They were rejecting picks. We're fine. We're going to break that down. All those claims and reports on Wednesday's edition of the pod. Make sure that you download and subscribe wherever major podcasts are found for Lonzo Wright. So my name is Rob Brown. Thank you all very much for listening to the Views from Mid Street podcast. We'll see you Wednesday, kids. Keep pounding, baby.